Welcome to Alameda Community Radio's News and Views. I'm your host, Susan Gallimore, and I'll be with you for this hour-long view into the workings and goings-on in our city of Alameda. The Alameda Animal Shelter budget has been reduced by 78% for the coming fiscal year. Ideas for how to operate under these budgetary constraints include turning the current shelter into a holding facility for animals before outsourcing them to distant communities. In this case, Alameda stray or surrendered pets or wild animals might be sent to the city of Fremont that also subcontracts with the cities of San Leandro, Newark, and Castro Valley. Over the next half hour, we'll learn more about how the animal shelter functions and the people involved. But first, on Thursday, September 29th, City Manager John Russo presided over a hastily convened press conference acknowledging the upcoming signing of the U.S. Navy and the City of Alameda's agreement for the no-cost transfer of 918 acres of the former Naval Air Station, known now as Alameda Point. Billed as a press conference, from about 80 to 100, maybe 120 people arrived for what was more of a ceremony than a press conference, for the press really had no opportunity to ask questions. Nevertheless, Mayor Gilmore declared herself as happy as a child at Christmas after 14 years of hard work to reach this point. Real Estate Coordinator for Base Realignment and Closure, or BRAC, Mr. William Carcillo, acknowledged that no land was actually conveyed on this day. The first transfer of property, it's 140 acres, is scheduled for June 2012, and it includes the land proposed for UC's Lawrence Berkeley National Lab's second campus that the city is trying to attract to Alameda Point. This agreement, celebrated at the press conference, removes any impediment to transferring Alameda Point to UC. This was a very fast ceremony. It was over in about 15 minutes, and much of it was in the spirit of congratulations. I've uploaded several documents included in the press packet handed out at the event, and you can link to and read them on our blog, alamedacommunityradio.org. I've also invited City Manager John Russo to sit down with me next week to understand more about the conveyance and other issues facing the city. The Alameda Animal Shelter is under the control of the Alameda Police Department. I talked to APD's Lieutenant Jill Ottaviano, who explained that the city is obligated to perform duties related to Alameda's animal population, including code violations, issues of animal cruelty, stray and dead animals, and other items in the penal code. Lieutenant Ottaviano assured me that APD is trying to work out a plan that will allow Friends of Alameda Animal Shelter, or FAS, a volunteer-based organization, to take over some or all of the shelter's duties. The city of Alameda has given FAS until November 1 to come up with a plan to expand the nonprofit operations and take over shelter services. A meeting scheduled for September 28 to iron out further details was rescheduled for October 6. I sat down with Nancy Evans-Bianchi, president of FAS, and Tom Cushing, chair of the steering committee to find alternatives to share their views. This is a pre-recorded interview. The animal shelter in Alameda has been an issue recently, and um, there's a lot of uh, rumors perhaps going on around it. So today we are going to talk with Nancy Evans-Bianchi, president and volunteer at FAS, that's Friends of the Alameda Animal Shelter, and Tom Cushing, the chair of the steering committee who is developing a pl- that is developing a plan for a proposal for alternatives. Welcome, Nancy Evan Bianchi. Thank you for having us. And Tom Cushing. We're real pleased to be here. Well, it's great to have you because, I, as I say, often in small towns you get a lot of 
um, different conflicting information. And so here we are at the horse's mouth, so to speak. So I'm going to ask Tom Cushing to give us a history of the, uh, the shelter, the HSA and the FAAS. Tom? Yes, I had the opportunity to talk with Carmen Lazar, whose memory goes back a long ways. The original animal shelter was at the foot of Grand. It was a dilapidated building that flooded. The equipment in it was primitive, and the practices were brutal by today's standards. Uh, under pressure from the Humane Society of Alameda, uh, when the land there was sold for development, the developer in the city uh, created and built uh, the current shelter and Fortman that has been in operation since 1984. Nancy, let me ask you to give us an overview of FAS, the Friends of Alameda Animal Shelter. Okay. FAS was uh, formed in uh, a July, uh, September of 2009 by myself and another volunteer at the shelter. When we formed it um, as a nonprofit, it was at that time to help the shelter with medical, grooming, and training for the animals. But since this issue of the possibility of the shelter closing down, it's evolved into a different form of a nonprofit where we are hoping now to be the nonprofit to take over and to run the shelter. And what kind of animals are we talking about? Um, cats, dogs, we get bunnies, they get occasionally birds, snakes, um, pretty much any animals that are brought into the shelter. So anything that people have for pets in their houses? Yes. Mm -hmm. okay. And um, so what is the issue now? As with many local governments, the city of Alameda is under a lot of budget pressure in the times of recession tax revenues are down. Uh, the uh, city fathers looked around and tried to find places where they could economize. Uh, animals don't vote. Uh, they rarely complain, and they certainly don't contribute to campaigns. They're, they're the kind of place that communities often look to cut when times are hard. Uh, the proposal that the city came up with was to look for another community whose shelter would take in the animals from Alameda on an outsourcing type basis and the city would continue then to enforce the law via animal control but the shelter would be used as a staging area to transport other uh, the Alameda animals to other communities uh, where their fates, frankly, are quite uncertain. So I think what you're saying is they would use the current shelter as a, as a platform to send the animals elsewhere. How much would that save? There was a claim in the budget that it saves $700,000, and we, we just can't verify that. Uh, the shelter's budget for the last fiscal year was $934,000, 200,000 of that can't be saved. It is uh, police higher-ups whose, whose uh, compensation is allocated to the shelter, and it's also city fixed costs. Uh, then the city will continue to do animal control, which costs another $150,000 by our estimate. Uh, then there is the cost of the actual outsourcing, the animals going to another community where we'd have to pay for every animal that went out. Um, and we think that cost is between two and $300,000, closer to 300 for the 1,200 or so animals we're talking about every year. 
that leaves about $300,000 in actual savings associated with the shelter uh, outsourcing proposal. Uh, interestingly enough, our proposal saves the same $300,000, and we think it's a better way to go. I wonder if I can just go uh, backtrack a little. I, my ears pricked up when you said about 200000 of this was going to the police. They're simply fixed costs. One quarter of a captain and one quarter of a lieutenant's salaries are allocated to the shelter as management. Uh, then the uh, then there are, are city systems, computers and phones and other things that are spread to all the different city operations. That's another $65,000. By the time you roll it all up, that's $200,000 in fixed costs that won't be saved no matter what gets done. Okay, thanks for clarifying that. Nancy? And even if they did outsource the shelter, you still have to house those animals because for until they're outsourced, their plan would be to make a run once a day to wherever shelter they could outsource it to. You still have to maintain them, so you're still going to have to have the building open in some capacity. You're going to have to pay for to the care for the animals, the food, the water, the electricity. So you still have to have that building open. So the savings that they're saying, we don't see them. I mean, I understand how they did it on paper, but not they're not real numbers. I, I don't see how they came up with that number. We don't after doing our analysis of all the numbers. I want to just mention that the very first show we did that I did on Alameda Community Radio was with um, Kevin Kennedy, the treasurer, and Kevin Kearney, the auditor, and they talked about the discretionary fund. And uh, they also mentioned that things like the Alameda Shelter and the Senior Center and these things would be really looking at some severe cutbacks. So this is what we're talking about right now. And this, this is discretionary fund budget money. Yes, it is. Um, our plan would have the city uh, underwrite FAS and FAS raise the rest of the money on a 50-50 basis. It would be a public-private partnership. We th our budget is right around $600,000. And uh, the savings that the city would therefore... Uh, realize are about 300000 the same savings they would get from outsourcing the shelter to another community. We think the shelter is a great resource and it ought to stay on Alameda. And our feeling is if you're going to outsource it, outsource it to us and let, it, let the animals stay here, and which is what the community wants, um, and plus the savings you'll get of the th roughly 300000 So, Nancy, what are the problems with outsourcing? Well, first of all, the animals more than most likely would end up being um, put down because all of the shelters in the surrounding areas, they're all full. Just and, and it's getting worse because of the economy where people are losing their jobs and their homes and they're having to surrender their animals or just letting them go. So they would more than likely be put down you know, within, the next, within a few days. It would also be an inconvenience to all the people who maybe who lose their pets, their dog gets out, and they, don't, they won't know where to, where to find them. Um, some people, elderly people, wouldn't be able to drive down to Fremont, Modesto, because we don't really know at this point where they would outsource it. So the idea is that outsourcing doesn't mean they go from Alameda to one location. They can go to uh, any location. 
we don't know i think i think their plan would be to choose one shelter so but we just don't know which one it is yet but i know the surrounding areas are full and have said no because they they can't take that that on it would mean putting their animals down that are in the shelters all the shelters in the bay area are full to overflowing san francisco recently closed its doors to its own animals so we know that the police department has approached a number of different shelters in Berkeley and Fremont and Hayward uh, and have been told in every case, we can't take your animals. The people of those communities have also said, we don't want Alameda's animals here. Our animals need, need our community's attention. We, we understand that. And we believe that those animals should stay on Alameda where people know where to go to redeem their, their pets if they've gotten out, where they know where to go to adopt a new pet, um, those sorts of things. If, if uh, they have to travel 50 to 100 miles round trip to get their dog back, if they even know where it went, mm -hmm. there's the stress and the uncertainty. Uh, animals will die and, you know, people's hearts will be broken. Mm -hmm. We don't think that's a good solution. We don't think in fact, it's a practical solution because the other shelters have expressed disinterest. So when you're trying to get information about, uh, you know, what the process is, you're also having to sort of grasp at straws, it sounds like. You go to the police for most of your information. Is that right? We've met on five occasions with uh, officers of the police department in charge of this, and we've had good cooperation back and forth as far as the discussions are concerned. We've given them a services agreement draft and a lease draft. Uh, we've informed them what our plans would be and what our budget would generally be. And we have asked for their comments. Uh, we're looking forward to meeting with them again next week and getting their comments on what we have given them so far. We've invested almost a thousand hours of volunteer time since June creating this plan. We think it's a real good one. Tom, is it, we're talking with Tom Cushing here, and he is the chair of the steering committee who's developing the proposal for these alternatives. Is it possible for you to give me a copy of the drafts and I can link them to this show on the website? I don't see why not. You bet. That'd be uh, great. And then legal documents, and so they don't make light reading, but uh, we'd be happy to share that information. I think that'd be great. They would help people kind of get a grasp. It's sometimes hard to hear things and, and connect to them on the, on the air. And another thing I just wanted to bring up about the outsourcing, our shelter is run really well. We have one of the um, highest save rates in the surrounding area. So... If we had to outsource these animals, they would be taken to a shelter that is not even run as well as our current shelter. So it, it, it just doesn't make any sense. And Nancy, you're a volunteer, so talk about the kinds of things that volunteers do and how many volunteers there are. Currently there's about, I believe, about 60 volunteers, and there's dog walkers, there's uh, cat people that attend to the cats in the cat rooms, and they help clean the cages and things like that. It's... So if somebody wants to be a volunteer now at this, at this crisis time, how can they do that? Well, right now my understanding is they're not taking volunteers at the shelter because they don't know what's going to happen if they're still going to be open on November 1st. FAWS, however, we are asking people if you want to be a volunteer to go ahead and contact us and we're taking applications. So if somebody wants to um, 
volunteer, you can send an email to um, FAAS909 at gmail.com, and we will go ahead and um, email you uh, an application. The email is FAAS909 at gmail.com. Correct. We're talking with Nancy Evans-Bianchi, president of Friends of Alameda Animal Shelter, or FAS, and Tom Cushing, chair of steering committee to find alternatives. I'm Susan Gallimore, and this is Alameda Community Radio's News and Views. If you have comments on today's show or want to suggest interesting stories for me to cover in the future, send an email to alamedacommunityradio at gmail.com. Address it to me, Susan Gallimore, or you can also leave a phone message at 510 At this time, Alameda Community Radio is an internet-only show with corresponding short articles about each show in the Alameda Sun. If you do not have a computer and you're over 50 years old, go to the Mastic Senior Center's computer lab to listen to the show. I've left directions there for how to download shows. And uh, next week I'm meeting with the director um, of the Alameda Free Library to discuss the possibility of getting a sound-enabled computer in the main library for residents who don't have access to a computer. You might want to call the library managers and press them to consider this option. ACR will work with you and the library to make this happen. Again, um, Alameda Community Radio's News and Views, Susan Gallimore talking with Nancy Evans-Bianchi, and uh, President of FAS, and Tom Cushing, Chair of the Steering Committee to Find Alternatives. There are a lot of things that a nonprofit does that are a little different from the way a city operates a shelter. We will be relying more on volunteers. We need to raise our own money uh, to sustain ourselves every year. And so we'll have both staff and volunteers devoted to that task. Um, we will need to train the volunteers that, that uh, we use to help with the operation of the shelter. And so we'll have uh, a person devoted to that as well. Um, the opportunities for volunteering will, I mean, many people want to get involved because they love animals. and. Perhaps their circumstances are such that they can't have their own pet, but they can uh, interact with the animals, and that helps everybody. So we think there will be broad opportunities for the community to be involved with the shelter um, and be an integral part of the operation once it is up and running as a nonprofit. And you mentioned that these other cities around here are having similar problems. And um, are you in touch with them, and are you working together to come up with, uh, understand what other groups are doing and how they're facing this issue? Absolutely. Um, As we have developed our plan for how the shelter will operate, we've started from what the shelter does now because it ain't broke, and we're grateful for that. Uh, There are practices that Berkeley uh, uses that other shelters use. Uh, The the steering committee has several people who have deep nonprofit experience and shelter management experience, so we're trying to bring all those resources to bear in a best practices kind of a way and develop a plan that will work well uh, once we have responsibility for the shelter. Job one is to make the shelter run as well as it does now. And later on, we may be able to add other things. But in our first year, we will be doing our level best to run a flawless operation. And people can uh, donate money to the cause if they want to. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that's never going to be enough to keep the thing going. It's going to be enough to feed and shelter for... 
we do need the donations to um, keep it going because our our plan is we're, we figure we're going to need about 300,000. We're going to have to raise that annually to keep it going. So we we're, we're, it's going to be an ongoing process. I mean, we have a grant writer. Um, we're looking for corporate sponsorship as well as individual donations. Okay, so again, FAAS909 at gmail.com if people want to know how they can donate. Yes, that's correct. We've been very gratified by the support we've received already from the Alameda community without even having the approval to go forward yet. Well, we've raised in terms of cash in hand and, in, and pledges uh, about $120,000 against that $300,000 uh, annual need. Now, the year hasn't started yet, uh, and we don't have approval yet, so we think there are some folks who will be eager to help once they know the direction we're going in. So we want to make sure we report to the community, and we have meetings scheduled to do that, a town hall meeting scheduled for October 8th, um, and more information will be forthcoming on that. But we want to share our plan with the community so that they're aware of what we want to do to keep the shelter as a community resource here. So you have it on October 8th, and where's the location? It's down on the base at the theater, and we're not quite sure of the time yet. That's good to know. Okay, so October 8th, keep, the, keep that date clear, and it'll be on the base. At least we know that much. We just are waiting on a time. Yes. We think it'll be late afternoon. We don't want to compete with football, uh, but we do want to let people know what our plans are and uh, answer questions that they may have and concerns that they may have about where, where we're going with all of this. You've met with city officials? We've met with City Manager Russo once, and we've met with the police department management uh, on five occasions. We have another meeting scheduled next week where we hope to go uh, through the proposals that we've made and, and get their uh, feedback. But right now it's a very open process. Uh, we believe the final approval is with the city manager and city council. And they, uh, so October will be a key month for us as we move against the November 1 deadline to have our plan uh, approved. So in the best case scenario, what would the future look like? Well, the best case would be that the city says, yes, you can go ahead and take the shelter over uh, and also contribute 300000 annually towards running the shelter. And our plan would be that we think it would take a couple of months of a transition and realistically, hopefully January 1st, be up and running and start and take it over. There's a lot to be done. Uh, we have to hire staff. Uh, we would start with an executive director who would help us uh, uh, hire the remainder of the staff. Certainly the people who work um, at the shelter now, we, we are inviting to compete for those jobs. In some cases, we'll be paying nonprofit uh, scale as opposed to uh, public scale. It's simply less, and uh, that's a reality where we can't ask the community to ante up to the scale that um, uh, was formerly involved and was part of the reason the uh, city needed to make a change. So we're talking to Nancy Evan Bianchi, who's the president and uh, a volunteer at FAS, Friends of Alameda Animal Shelter, and Tom Cushing, who's the chair of the steering committee developing the proposals for alternatives. I want to give each of you an opportunity to 
tell our listeners what we have not touched today and what, something that's close to your heart that they, you think they should know. The Alameda Animal Shelter is a tremendous community resource. Uh, it is very clear that Alamedans love their companion animals, uh, consider them part of their families. We believe that the population of uh, dogs and cats alone on the island is about 42,000, roughly split between equally between dogs and cats. Whenever I drive around Alameda, I see people out walking their dogs. There are two dog parks uh, on the island. We believe that the shelter is an integral part of the community here, and we want it to continue to be part of the community, and we want to see what the community would like to see us add. As a nonprofit, we, there may be things that we can do eventually to weave ourselves even more deeply into the fabric of this community. Uh, we want, want the opportunity to do that. And as I say, I think the proposal that we've made is much better on the merits and doesn't cost any more than outsourcing these animals to an uncertain fate in a distant community. I'm just dwelling on that number, about 40 to 42,000 animals in town. Now, we started off the interview talking about if only they could vote. That's actually more, more than the people that vote in this town. <laughs> so if only they could vote. Nancy? To me, Alameda, we're similar to Carmel, which is really an animal-friendly town. And every, I drive around a lot during the day. And, yeah, he's right. You see people walking their dogs. I mean, we don't see the cats because people don't walk cats. But... Um, I never really realized how much of this, a service the shelter provided till I started volunteering down there because I never went down there. I just, you know, I had my dogs and they luckily never got out. And, but I just see day in and day in and out that people come in there and, you know, they're, for example, there's a, they're helping a lady, a couple with their dog now. They're both in the hospital and they had no place for the dog and so the dog is there until they get out of the hospital. There's just, you just don't realize, and um, you won't realize until it's gone. And then people losing their pets. I mean, I'll see a dog in the shelter one day, and then the next day it's gone. It's like, oh, they came and got their dog. It, you know, the, the gate was open. Um, unfortunately, sometimes people's pets pass away, and I've seen them bring them there to get cremated, too. So it's, it's just a, it provides a big service. It's one of those things that enrich the community that you don't actually realize until it's jeopardized. Yes, that's correct, until, until it's gone. Until you've seen somebody, the joy between the owner and the animal when they're reunited, you don't have a full appreciation of the kind of thing that the shelter provides. Uh, it is an important part of this community, and every one of those 42,000 animals is loved and there's a vote behind every one of those 42,000 animals. We have seen that in the support for Save Our Shelter that gave rise to the memorandum of understanding that uh, we're working under now with the city. And uh, we think that the time that we've all invested as volunteers will be, that, that'll be the payoff for us, is that kind of joy, that kind of fulfillment. Well, I want to thank you for being with us, and um, one of the things we're trying to do with Alameda Community Radio is actually bring disparate communities together to reach out to make sure that seniors have access to information, that, you know, from the computer it's a little difficult sometimes, um, but also to educate Alamedans around these kinds of issues, and we encourage them to become active. And I'm going to ask you to give our residents in Alameda some idea of what they can do about this particular issue. Well, one of the things they can do is if you're 
is write to the city officials, contact the, the mayor, the, the councilman, the city manager, and let them know that if you want a shelter and, and, and give them your, let them hear your voice. And also, we, we do need donations, too. And if they mail in, where do they mail it? It's, you mail it to FAS. It's P.O. Box 6328, Alameda, California, 94501. P.O. Box 6328. That's a thing to remember, 6328. Thanks, Nancy. And uh, Tom? When you had the Kevins on your show, uh, they indicated that what is important to do is to make your voice heard, that groups like us need to mobilize and need to um, make the city aware of what's important to Alamedans. We'd certainly encourage everybody to do that. This next month is going to be critical to the continuing survival of the shelter. Uh, and a shelter runs on its stomach like an army does. Uh, we do need people's uh, financial donations as well. Uh, again, we think this could be a successful partnership, half and half, between the city and the nonprofit. There was Nancy Evans Bianchi, President of FAS, and Tom Cushing, Chair of the Steering Committee to Find Alternatives. FAS's website is faas.bbnow.org. Again, faas.bbnow.org. You can email the organization at FAS, F-A-A-S, 909 at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to FAS, send a check to FAS to... P.O. Box 6328, Alameda 94501. P.O. Box 6328, Alameda 94501. News and Views will follow the story and let you know what happens after November 1st. I visited the Alameda Animal Shelter, located at 1590 Fortman Way at the foot of Grand Avenue, and I talked with Tina Aedo, Alameda Police Department's volunteer coordinator. Tina Aedo explained how the animal shelter and FAS work together. So we're a municipal animal shelter. We're funded by the city for the city of Al Alameda Animals. FAS is a nonprofit that was started to assist us in uh, caring for the animals, doing some above and beyond fundraising for the animals that are in our care. And about, Tina, about how many animals pass through here, let's say, each day or each week? That's really hard to say. In terms of intake, we may not get any animals at all for a week. We may have two or three a day. We may have a few every other day. In all, uh, for a year, it's between 12 and 1,300 animals a year that we handle, and that includes wildlife, um, alive and dead, and cats, dogs, and anything else that will walk through the doors. Tina Aido, the concern seems to be in the city of Alameda that with the budget cuts, the shelter is going to take a hit and the animals are going to be outsourced, and there's a lot of concern about that. When that happens, what will your role be? I am an employee of the city um, and part of the police department. Uh, if, the if the police department and the city choose to outsource the animals, the staff at the animal shelter will be eliminated. Um, either through layoffs or there are some positions that others can move into within the city. The city will maintain animal control enforcement, so there will be animal control officers on the streets, and they will be handling all of the enforcement, leash laws, barking, bite cases, that type of stuff. 
they're, we're looking for uh, hopefully FAS and its members and group will be able to take over and run the shelter as a nonprofit then contract with the city to the city will pay them a, an amount to maintain the strays and the bite dogs and the you know lost and found animals here for now they would most probably um, house the animals here for a short period of time maybe 24 hours until uh, they can uh, then have an animal control officer move the animals one of the concerns that we heard from Nancy um, Evans Bianchi was that um, if we're going to be having to put out salaries anyway for the, for those animals that would be here for 24 hours, why can't that money roll over to, to FAS? And you're saying it could. I know that FAS and the city are working on the financial part of it. I don't have a lot of information about that. Is there anything that you would like residents to know about the work you do or the shelter itself? I feel really lucky to work in this small municipal animal shelter. It is the second lowest euthanasia rate in the Bay Area. It is a very clean, well-run facility with uh, extraordinary volunteers that really love the animals. Um, like every other municipal shelter all over the place, money is in short supply for everyone. And so we get by with uh, you know what we can, and we do a really good job, and we place a lot of animals. And um, you know, we have a great group of volunteers that help keep them adoptable and socialized. Unfortunately, um, it's, it's true that if they do get outsourced, they may go to a facility that is already overburdened, uh, and the animals would probably have a shorter amount of time to be reunited with their owners or put up for adoption and may face euthanasia a lot sooner than they would as we've been doing here in Alameda. Well, I want to thank you for the work that you've been doing, and I know that this is hard for you as well. It is, but um, we're going to keep working until they tell us not to, and we're going to do a good job every day for all the animals because that's what we do every day. While everything is still uncertain, Tina Aedo explains that if an agreement cannot be worked out with FAS in the city, the current shelter will be closed to the public. Tina took me on a tour of the animal area where the first animal I met was a chicken. Yes, pretties. Oh, chicken. <laughs> yes, pretties. She's really talkative and has so much to say. And then we have a couple of rabbits here. Let's see, there's Chanel. So here we have a chicken and two rabbits, and it's a little out of the ordinary. How, did, how were they found? The rabbits are actually owner surrenders, so an owner came to a situation where they were no longer able to care for the animals, and we take them in. We're an open-door shelter. That means if you live in the city of Alameda and you have an animal you can't care for anymore, you can bring it to us, and we will help find it a home. The chicken was running loose, and the animal control officer picked it up. <laughs> We'd like to have seen that. Well, we had a, a, a lady bring in a bearded dragon a couple weeks ago. Oh, my. That was running loose. This is... um. That's Annie, and these are the babies she had a month and a half ago. Yeah, oh, they're Annie. beautiful. Aren't they cute? So if anybody wants puppies, there's four beauties down yeah, here, plus be a beautiful ready. mom. Probably the end of October. Hmm. We went into the dog pens area. One friendly dog, Twitter, has been in the shelter since December. 
Then we walked into the cat pen room where about 25 cats were being entertained by two volunteers, Deborah Dunster and her daughter Emily. Deborah explains their role. I'm Deborah Dunster, and I'm a volunteer. I volunteer with my daughter Emily, and we socialize the cats. We get them out of their cages and play with them, and brush them, and pet, pet them, and scamper with them, and uh, clean out their cages. <laughs> the animals are made to feel as much at home as they can be under the circumstances. Some of the cats have been adopted, and there is a process for adoption. Q-tip has been adopted. She's not been spayed, so we're going to take, we're going to send her to the vet tomorrow to be spayed. Then the the new adopter will pick it up from the vet. And that's something that you do just as a matter of course. Absolutely, everybody who leaves this building has been spayed or neutered, um, or leaves the building to go get spayed or neutered and picked up. All the kittens, the once they hit two pounds in two months, we take them and have them spayed or neutered, and then put them in the adoption room. That kittens stay such a short period of time with us that we have them all ready to go and that way it's uh, they can come in and do the adoption and take them home right away. And they're spayed and neutered by local vets? Right, there's a spay-neuter clinic in Oakland, it's East Bay SPCA and they do all of it, we contract with them, they do all of that for us. Specific cats and their stories live on. There was a cat that we got in from a citizen, it was an older lady who had um, a beautiful cat named Emma Nine, and that was the ninth Emma cat she had in her life. And so what it boiled down to was she was no longer able, like mobility-wise, to take care of the cat box and do the things that she had to do, and she had to surrender the cat. And then a gentleman came in a couple of weeks later, an older gentleman, and he said, you know, my wife's sick in bed, we lost our cat, we're looking for a cat that's going to like curl up on the bed with my wife, we don't really want a young one. He said, I don't want to outlive my pet. And he kept looking at these other cats, and I said, I think this one over here. And so he ended up adopting Emma Nine, and, you know, they are thrilled and happy. And so, you know, that's what gets me up to, go to, to come to work every day are those stories. While we spoke, Deborah and Emily continued to interact with the cats. So you take each of them out like this and play with them? So Emily makes sure that, you know, stuff is cleaned up and that... They have yuck out of their boxes, and they've got water and stuff, just a quick little cleanup during the day. Mm. And then they get to come out and stretch and exercise or get brushed or toenails clipped or whatever it is. If you're interested in adopting an animal, one of the four lovely puppies or any of the other beautiful animals at the shelter, call 510-337-8565 or go to 1590 Fortman Way. Call first to understand the restricted hours of operation as the shelter is open Tuesdays through Fridays only. If it is a dog you want, know that there are two off-leash parks in Alameda, one near Lower Washington Park on West Line off Central Avenue and the other at 2990 Main Street. Your pet, dog or cat, will come already spayed or neutered. If it is that lovely chicken you'd like to adopt, call and work out terms. The number again, 510-337-8565. The good news is that I attended a presentation in which City Manager John Russo told the League of Women Voters of Alameda that he's excited that volunteers are stepping up to resolve this issue with the animal shelter. He indicated his support for a volunteer-run shelter and that, if it happens, he'd like to ensure the shelter gets the funds it needs instead of outsourcing animals. That does not mean they do not need donations. They do. So if you want to donate, go ahead and do that. Again, the address to send your check is P.O. Box 6328 Alameda. 94501. 
So here is more good news for residents of our island city. A new study out of the Brown School at Washington University in St. Louis finds that people head to the beach to escape the stress of everyday life, but there are peak times to reap the restorative benefit. According to Dr. Aaron Hipp, environmental health expert and assistant professor at the Brown School, quote, mild temperature days and low tides offer the most restorative environments when visiting the beach. Beachgoers visiting on a day nearly three degrees warmer than average were 30% less likely to perceive the beach or coastal park as restorative compared to those visiting on average or cooler than average days, unquote. The findings from the study also reveal that beachgoers found the beach less restorative if they perceived the air or water quality to be at or below average. Quote, natural environments like beach and waterfront parks offer more restorative benefits to people than gyms, entertainment venues, and the, the built urban environment. Natural environments are vulnerable to global climate changes, including changes in air quality, water quality, increases in temperature, extreme weather events, and sea level rise. Few urban parks have planned for vulnerabilities to potential climate change on existing parks, much less the associated health effects to visitors. Um, Dr. Hip also suggests that parks uh, can add shaded areas and improve access to water fountains for warm weather days. He goes on to say public health and recreation departments work together to ensure residents have safe, healthy alternatives for psychological restoration and physical activity on days with dangerous levels of air and water quality and when the tidal level is not conducive to play and relaxation on the sand. Dr. Aaron Hip and study co-author Oladel Ogansatine published their study in the Journal of Environmental Psychology. So there you go. Alameda, the island city, is conducive to your health and well-being when you visit our beaches when it is not too hot. And that is our show for this week. We have so many interesting issues facing our city right now that I'm not sure what I'll air next week. The independent review of Raymond Zach's death on Memorial Day came out this week. We'll also look at that. As mentioned in this show, things are moving along at Alameda Point, and there's also the monthly Restoration Advisory Board meeting this uh, coming up next week, so we'll have an update on that. And the MILF Albright Golf Course land swap deal continues to swirl around town with more and more residents becoming aware of such a deal might mean. If you're not aware of it, I aired a show last week on the golf course deal, and you can go to alamedacommunityradio.org to listen to that show. And uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we'll take a look at that. Visit our blog, alamedacommunityradio.org, to learn more about Alameda Community Radio and to listen to other news and views shows. We're now racking up quite a, quite a number of them. We've had one month at least of shows, and um, you can go and listen to any of those. We've done one with the, uh, the two Kevins. We did one on 9-11. Last week's one was on the golf uh, issue. So go and listen to those. And uh, Alameda Community Radio is a non-profit organization, and we do need donations to build up our shows and our, our listenership. Our fiscal sponsor for now is Media Alliance. Go to the blog alamedacommunityradio.org to make a donation and to learn more. If you're interested in having your own show, visit the blog to learn how to do that. And comments are welcome, and so are ideas for shows. Email alamedacommunityradio at, d- at uh, gmail.com or leave a phone message at 510-545-8865. Have a great week, and join us again next week on News and Views.